You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church family. My name is Mark Tillman, and my wife Christy and I serve as mentors in the church's premarital mentoring program. Uh, This morning, I'm gonna be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mark. Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Good, good to see you. My name is Mason King. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you would join us. We had a good Thanksgiving. It is the first week of Advent, traditionally known as the Advent of Hope. Now, I know here's the thing, that many of you are probably going to feel like it's Advent around December 18th. Like you're going to be one week out from Christmas and you're going to go, okay, I'm ready. And some of you have gotten through, um, well, you've started to look at the December calendar and you've thought, what over-caffeinated extrovert planned this again? Like the next two weeks, I think every day we've got something, just party, seeing people, being with work friends. But then also, some of you already have your Christmas cards out, which kudos to you. Um, we took ours, I think, last week, and my face was frozen when we were, when we were done. Same day. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, we know Christmas time should be thick with beauty and meaning. But the speed and pressure of life seem to ratchet up rather than down this time of year. In the middle of decorating, shopping, parties, wrapping presents, cooking, traveling, working, exercising, hopefully, sleeping, doing laundry, buying more presents, wrapping them, we are busy. And we know the speed and pressure of life are unsustainable, but we're at a loss as how to live any other way. Feel this? So tell me if this seems familiar, even if maybe this happened to you last week. Um, You've packed the cars or you've cleaned the house. Family is there for the holiday. There's a bunch of small talk, cooking, and one big dinner. You know what I mean? Like, you only eat one meal all these days. It's lunch, dinner combined. That's what we do. Uh, you cook all day and graze, and then one big meal, and then everyone sits on the couch to watch the game or TV. So everyone's eating their dinner, maybe a leftover sandwich around 10 p.m. for the adventurous ones. Uh, but everyone's watching the TV or the movie, and then it gets quiet. And you look up. And what's everybody doing? They're asleep or they're on their phones, right? And we talk about the ads we've seen. We comment on who has which phone, how the latest model is neater than the the old one. Like, Like looking at your phone and having it unlocked based on your face is not cool enough. We need to do other stuff. So the iPhone 14 is out. We're talking about that. Uh, And if conversation veered towards politics or culture, if it did, 
And there's comments about how bad things are. There's comments about the cost of living and the rise of inflation. And there's, this, there's probably this resigned shrug that we just feel helpless to change anything. So some people are on TikTok, if you know what that is. They're on TikTok doing things. Some people are Instagramming your food. Thank you for the pictures of all of your leftovers. They were delicious. And we are just sitting around. But here's what I find at the end of these days often, is that it feels like there's supposed to be more to time spent together like this. You feel that? It feels like something is lacking. See, the modern world offers us a frictionless existence. We can purchase progress to smooth out the hard edges of life. Like, you don't have to do hard. You can do easy. It just costs you money. We can opt out of any painful reality or simply let ourselves be carried away by the speed and pressure of culture. The water we swim in is this consistent force telling us to look for the newer, better, good life. And in the speed and pressure of life, the Bible seems... um, It seems quaint. Like in the speed and pressure of life, the Bible, which is the word, it's God's world, it's God's way given to us. It seems quaint and a little outdated. Like there's words in it you can't say anymore. There's things you probably shouldn't talk about in public. And you're like, well, gosh, poor them. Like it seems a relic of a simpler time where people needed fairy tales and they needed the divine because they didn't have 5G. We think that way. We feel that way. Because wisdom in the age of speed is to be up to date and in the know, pressing against limits and praising progress. Our cultural hope is in human liberty above all else. And in this framework, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ in this framework can easily become mere therapy to deal with guilt and shame. Focused on what we can see, touch, and experience, we shape God as mighty toward our feelings and full of comfort for our hurt, but we make him no stronger than science and less important than Silicon Valley. And so life at speed and under pressure keeps us chasing more and more and more. And if you think this is a 2022-2023 problem... Let me take you back to 1934 and the poet T.S. Eliot. In his work, Choruses from the Rock, he provides this perspective on the true cost of speed, pressure, and progress. Here he is. The eagle soars in the summit of heaven. The hunter with his dogs pursues his circuit. O perpetual revolution of configured stars. O perpetual recurrence of determined seasons. O world of spring and autumn, birth and dying, the endless cycle of idea and action, endless invention, endless experiment. It brings knowledge of motion, but not of stillness. Knowledge of speech, but not of silence. Knowledge of words and ignorance of the word. All our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death, but nearness to death, no nearer to God. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to the dust. Now, in case poetry is new to you and you just think it's weird, like there's daffodils and it's in some random books with flowers on the cover, I just want to reread this for you. 
I like poetry because it makes you think about things in an abstract way, and you need to slow down for it. So I'm going to reread the second half for you. The endless cycle of idea and action, endless invention, endless experiment, brings knowledge of motion, but not of stillness. Knowledge of speech, but not of silence. Knowledge of words and ignorance of the word. All our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death. But nearness to death, no, nearer to God. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? So my question for you today is this. How do we live in God's world, in God's way, when the speed and pressure of life feel out of control. I'm going to suggest that we cultivate time thick with meaning and hope. We cultivate time thick with meaning and hope. So our, our text for today is Hebrews 1.13, 1, 1 through 3. I'm actually, I'm going to cover the whole chapter. I just want to make Mark read 39 verses. I thought that'd be unfair. It's his first time just to read a whole chapter. Um, but here's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'd offer this, that faith lives on patience. And patience is willing to endure. And endurance is sustained by the promise of beauty. Because beauty is the object of hope. See that chain? Faith, is will, or faith lives on patience. Patience is willing to endure because this endurance is sustained by the promise of beauty ahead of it. And that beauty is so lovely that it is our hope. And this faith, patience, and endurance are by their very nature slow. Faith in God's promises that we can't immediately see, touch, or experience means we believe in things we don't have direct control over, which is scary for a lot of us. This idea goes against our cultural allergy to unseen things. Over the last 400 years, our world has increasingly chosen to believe in the insurance of our own innovation, resting our convictions only on what we can see and feel. We have cut out any room for transcendent things in our belief, choosing what is imminent and visible. But the people of God are a people of the text, meaning we look to God's world on His terms, not the cultures. So here's verse 2 and 3. For by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You catch this? This is, if you want to think about faith and what a radical thing it is to have, we could say, we believe the world was created out of nothing. All that you see, we believe that God made, that he spoke it into existence by the power of his might, which is a radical thing, and it requires faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things you don't see. And so faith is this basic assumption that we're in God's world, that the universe was created by the word of God, and then what he made was made into shadow of the things that are unseen. 
It is this faith, the faith that is convinced that we live in God's world that we need if we're going to value God's way over our own, if we're going to value God's way over the cultures. You see, the rest of chapter 11 is the hall of faith. It is a timeline of, patient, of faithful, patient endurance toward beauty. And it reads like a pregame pump-up speech. Like if you're familiar with it, by the end of it, you're like, I'm ready, let's go. I want a faith to live for like that. You can feel the thick current of hope pulling you. And the writer of Hebrews rehearses the past to clarify the present. You see, God's not in a hurry to fulfill his promises. In fact, he's right on time. It just happens to be his time, not ours. You have a friend who lives in the same time zone as you, but their clock must be different. You have that friend? Like you invite Mason over, but you just know like Mason time is uh, plus 15 minutes to what everybody else is. So uh, you think about that and you're like, Mason is irresponsible. Mason is distracted. Mason's lazy. You can do that. It's fine. You can call me that. It's fine. Um, Some of you need to be okay with people who are 15 minutes late because you're 15 minutes early, but (laughs) you're welcome. Um, with, With some people, we call it laziness. With God, we call it wisdom. He fulfills things in his time. You see, there's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, all who, all who, verse 13 says, died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeting, greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They all died in faith, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. They saw them from afar, didn't get what they were promised, and they said, this is not my home. I trust in God. All except Enoch, who didn't see death. Like you read the text, Enoch just gets taken. Okay, like that's in the Bible. And it's because he pleased God. And we're told that in verse six, without faith, it's impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So we believe that God made the world out of nothing. We believe that God exists. He makes promises to his people and he rewards those who draw near to him and seek him. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. And Moses, who, when he, had, when he was grown up, it's verse 24, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses endures because of hope. And there's the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Jericho falls. Rahab survives. And in verse 32, you hear this. I love this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. You ready? Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. 
They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destituted, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They're not checking their phone every 10 minutes. They're not hooked on dopamine cycles and notifications. They're not looking for followers and influence and platform. They're not looking for others to validate themselves. These men and women were walking around in animal skins in the desert and the wilderness of whom the world was not worthy but whose, whose faith in Christ, whose faith in God kept them. That's not in the text. It's just extra. So verse 39, in all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So tell me, is this better provision of God found in our overfunctioning and overcommitment? Is it found in our inability to rest? Are you and I being made perfect by the speed and pressure of modern life? You see, we've taken the call to put away childish things and we've chased becoming the wrong kind of adult. We've defined life on our terms at our speed, free of any authority outside of ourselves. And these free, fast-moving selves are untethered to the past, to tradition, to a larger purpose over our days. And our culture believes that every human has the right to define for himself or herself what it means for him or her to be human. That every human has the right to define for himself or herself what it means for him or her to be human. Because when you find that definition for yourself, then you're authentic. I've been reading this Christian writer, Andrew Root, who writes on the secular age and the church. And I'm interacting with some of his ideas today. And Root has this to say about our culture's pursuit of authenticity. He says, the vehicle for identity to meet the speed of late modernity, which is where we are, is performance. You're free to have whatever identity feels most authentic to you. But to really possess that identity, you must meet the speed of modernity, not be free of it. Not coincidentally, those who seem the most authentic are those moving fastest. Those with the most Instagram followers, those who directly perform their identities to win recognition. You see, you can be whoever you want. You can define yourself however you want. But to, but to sustain your self-defined world, you have to keep all the plates spinning so that other people will notice and validate your choices which sounds exhausting, right? How many of you are doing this and are exhausted? So we find ourselves formed by the way of culture, which has deemed us all as lost boys and girls, free of the tyranny of parents and limits. And in Neverland, we're free to define our reality, accountable to no one but ourselves. And Root adds that our time has been emptied of unseen realities like um, angels, demons, sin, hell, damnation, salvation, heaven. And when you simply choose to delete them from the equation, these things that cause time to be full and thick with meaning and purpose and depth, when you delete them from the equation, time is now thin, empty, and light. 
And unhindered by God's world, time has no final meaning or end. And so what do you do with thin, empty time? Well, you and I double down on what we can see, touch, and experience. Because empty time needs to be filled. It doesn't matter if we're filling our time with the right thing, as long as it's good enough, right? Like we just want life to feel full. Root calls this busyness as fullness. Now, many of us have been at high speed for so long that the thinness of life, it's okay with us because we just keep going. We're used to it. The fullness is okay. We're bearing. It's not the best, but it's better than nothing. Um, it's it's kind of like chips and salsa. You know that? I mean, like most of us, we're in Texas, so we can say this. I don't know about you online. Chips and salsa are a thing here. Um, it's like you want fajitas, and you think, I'm going to go to X for fajitas. I'm not going to plug somewhere. I know the right place. You guys have your own opinions, but like, I want fajitas, so I'm going to go here, and you sit down. You're excited about fajitas. You've made the trek, and then the chips come. It's delicious and fried and salty. Maybe there's queso. Maybe there's meat in that queso. Maybe there's guacamole, and there's you know, three bowls of chips later. You feel full. You've had this experience. Your fajitas come and you're like, oh, man. I mean, somebody's got to do it, but I already, I already feel like I'm full. Don't be fooled. Chips and salsa and fajitas are not the same. And friend, I got to tell you that busyness as fullness is no substitute for God's way of life. So life with God is not an overpacked calendar or having to constantly perform to get validation from other people. You see, you, you and I are offered a life of thick, transcendent meaning of depth in God's way, but it requires we admit that we are created beings, not the creator. It requires we admit we don't know what's best for us and can't provide for ourselves what we ultimately need. It is faith in God's world and his way, but this slows us down because it's out of our control. It's unpredictable and requires faith that God is not just good for us, but he's good to us and he's kind. So I have to ask you this. What is the speed and pressure of life doing to your faith? What is the speed and pressure of life doing to your faith? Is God's promise of who he is and who he says you are, of what he has done and what he will do, are these realities beautiful enough, attractive enough, real enough for you to patiently endure and hope? Or are you okay to just be distracted? I mean, are we, are we really saying that the better thing God provided, what the hall of faith waited for, is a neverland of our own making? Like, am I, I think about telling Moses, hey, life is great because I can order whatever I want on my phone and it appears 45 seconds later, free shipping. Or what about if the apostle Paul comes and we say, hey, you know what? I really put off sin because sin's not really a thing anymore. In fact, we've redefined our reality to match our feelings instead of disciplining our feelings to match God's reality. 
How disappointed would they be in the race they ran, the pleasures they avoided to remain faithful in hope, what they gave up when they see how we are handling the baton for the next round? Like, how do we live in God's world and in God's way when the speed and pressure of life feel out of control? We cultivate time thick with meaning and hope. We live in God's time. It's Advent, which is part of the Christian calendar for the whole year. And I know that we evangelicals think it's new, just an old thing recently forgotten. Like it's centuries old. It is a way to keep time and to pay attention to God. The longer Christian tradition has ordered their days around God's world, way, and time for centuries. And seasons like Advent exist to mark the reality of God's world. They are an invitation into sacred time. Root calls this sacred time, time that matters, time you set your being to. Catch that? Time you set your being to. Do you know this kind of time? Like this is the kind of moment or experience where you are in the moment. And time actually doesn't feel scattered, it feels gathered. And you think to yourself, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's no one else I'd rather be with. Something else I'd rather do, this I will remember well. Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of riding a roller coaster with Nick Crawford. Some of us did. It was, it was great. It's an experience if you ever get it. And I usually am. I, I don't love roller coasters, but I was like, you know what? Let's go. It's, we're here. So as the Tower of Terror went up and down, I chose to lean into being there with some of my closest friends, having a great time. And knowing I was safe. You know what happened? I laughed. I danced. I yelled. And I loved it. Because time was gathered. It was a moment where I thought, I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to be with anyone else. I'll remember this well. That's experience in time. You have those dinners with friends, moments, the birth of children where things seem to slow and life has a lot of meaning. This is the kind of time we can cultivate with God, where we, we give meaningful attentiveness to the mattering things. You see, when time is thin and empty of meaning, when we live at speed and under pressure with busyness as fullness, we carry forward some actually really philosophical ideas from the Enlightenment, modernity, and even late modernity. These yardsticks of progress, tolerance, and innovation. And keeping God's time means we live in God's world and God's way based on who he says we are as individuals and as the church, corporately. And when we do this, we have a fighting chance to use technology, innovation, and progress as tools instead of treating them like saviors. The speed and pressure of life doesn't have to rule us. Think about the last time you had a chunk of time with nothing to do. I'll give you a minute. It might take a while. Okay. Uh, have you ever had nothing to do and you sat down and then you felt guilty for not being productive? Like, what are we doing? You're free to just be, but we are so conditioned to do to produce that 
we've emptied time out of meaning and depth and purpose, but we don't want to waste it. Like, what do you do with the guilt and fear of wasting time? We overcommit to busyness because it feels like fullness, because when we live in our own world in our own way, there's no one to deal with guilt and shame for us, but us. When we seek our own freedom from authority, we become an authority to ourselves, and then we live under our own condemnation for not living up to inhuman standards. And I got to tell you, friends, it's really hard to live at an inhuman speed. And too many of us are trying to. Like, how often do you feel overwhelmed in daily life? Anybody have the experience in the last few years where something that you used to just crush takes five times longer? Five times more experience or more, uh, I can't even think, focus. And you're just like, yeah, even thinking is hard. So <laughs> it just, you're like, how do I do this? I'm moving too fast. Like, do you feel the pressure to perform just so you know you matter? Do you need to pop up or ping people or be in their life just so they're not away from you? You have kind of an anxious attachment to people. Do you get anxious when you don't have anything to do? Like, how many of you simply reach for your phone like a digital pacifier? How many of you are guilty of getting honked at because the light turned green, and in those three seconds the light was red, you're checking your phone? Oh, not you? Okay, it's fine. My kids have told me the light is green, so I'll just lay my cards on the table. All right? It's no surprise that for those who choose to live outside of God's world, way, and time, Rest is a priority that we don't know how to embrace. Rest requires internal stillness, but the speed and pressure of life aren't conducive to stillness. Like, if you want to think of this, if this is a needed thing, people feel the pressure, they want rest, just Google or go onto Amazon and look for all the books written, Christian and non, about rest, self-care, and Sabbath. It's like we've discovered that God has asked us to take a day off. Even modern science is going, hey, this is actually good for you if you take a day off. I'm like, we know. We're trying to tell you. Last Wednesday, Carly and I were enjoying a, uh, a rare moment of reading together at home with the kids home. And they were playing, at least I think they were playing. They weren't yelling. They were in the other part of the house and it was quiet. So either something was being lit on fire or they were doing good. Um, they're good kids. But... We are sitting there, and Carly looks at me, and she goes, okay, so it's a day off. What's the plan? I mean, what do you want to do today? And I stopped reading my book, and I said, what's the plan? The plan is to do nothing. Like, the plan is to be off. And we laughed because we both do this. How many of you do this? Like, you get a day off, and you want to rest. You take PTO, or you're away from the office, and all of a sudden, you have 4,000 things to do. And you get two of them done, and then you condemn yourself for not doing 3,800 more. We are so bent toward doing something, and we struggle to simply be. And if you're tired of feeling thin, maybe you feel like what Tolkien said, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much toast. You might be nervous that it won't slow down anytime soon either. The invitation for you is to keep God's time, to resist the temptation to live at an inhumane speed. 
Human speed is on God's time and God's world, ordering life in God's way, because God's never asked us to speed up to achieve bigger, better things. He asks us to be still, to trust that He is who He says that He is, and what He says about us is true. He asks us to acknowledge our need for His provision and to walk at His speed. But in the neverland of our own making, there are no last days. There's no coming final judgment. There's no accountability for our actions or future promises to wait for. There is just thin and empty time to be filled or flitted away with distraction. And Neverland, friends, Neverland isn't real. Like the sobering thing about our day is that we can look at all the limitations that humanity has liberated itself from, and they still haven't found the good life. They still haven't found what they want. We are tearing down every institution because our culture has put its hopes on openness to what is next, what is new. We won't look at what is behind us because it's old and it hasn't proven for us. And so we tear it down and we look to what's next and try and build something new. Keeping sacred time acknowledges there will always be new, but there will only ever be one who's the Ancient of Days. He has created the world, created life, and holds time in His hand. His promises do not fail. He is not slow to fulfill them. In fact, He's right on time. And everyone in the hall of faith held this to be true. They lived in God's world, following God's way, and they, friends, they kept God's time the best they could. Like sometimes they tried to fulfill the promises or force the hand, and they did the best they could. And often they were taking God at His word, believing His character, before they knew how the promise would be fulfilled. They had faith and drew near to God, believing He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. And so they set their being to God's time, and even when it turned out different than they expected, they submitted to God's wisdom. They lived as creatures kept with care before their Creator. So here's some questions for you. Are you living out of busyness as fullness. Like just quick pulse check. Yes, no. What do you think? Are you living out of busyness as fullness? Next question. What is the promise you're living for? I could ask you this. I could say, what do you want so bad that you're willing to patiently endure hardship, disappointment, or suffering in order to get it? Lots of us would answer this with fine things like health, fitness, Wealth, happiness, but how many of us have this mindset towards our personal holiness? What speed and pressure are you living at? Is it human or inhumane? Maybe then I'd ask myself, why am I living at such speed and under such pressure? You see, you can't seek God at the speed and under the pressure of our culture. Like there's no room for the thickness and meaning of God's world in a culture built on defining its own reality. There's just no room for it. The drumbeat of innovation and liberation at all costs will eventually have you and I asking the same questions that T.S. Eliot did. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? 
And so, friend, if you're here this morning and you're tired of the speed and pressure of daily life, I'm going to tell you, you need a hope stronger than the promise of innovation and progress. You need deeper meaning and beauty than busyness or individualism can give. You need Jesus. He is the better provision worth waiting for. Verse 39, though commended through their faith, the hall of faith did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. You see, Christ alone is able to deal with the emptiness, guilt, and shame that you feel. So go to him. Just go to him. And go in faith, assured of what you hope for with conviction and what you can't see. You're not too late. In fact, you're right on time. So in prepping the sermon, I've been thinking about the fact that you are sitting here keeping God's time in church together. But after these 90 minutes, you still live in a world at speed and under pressure with the intent to deform you from all that God wants to form you into. And some of us are in so deep that we can't see a way out of our overfunctioning, our overcommitting, or our overvaluing of other people's opinions. So some, some encouragement for you as we end. Three things. The first one, cultivate meaning and purpose in your time by paying attention to your hope. So I want you to take an honest look at your commitments, your habits, your way of being. Like, what are you living towards? Who are you becoming? What hope is driving where your attention goes What speed and under what pressure are you living? And how much is the digital world driving that speed and pressure? So cultivate meaning and purpose in your time by paying attention to your hope. Second thing, live, that living in God's world, in God's way, in God's time is hard, meaningful work. It's gonna, that's what it is. Living in God's world, in God's way, and in God's time is hard, meaningful work. So are you living as a created being, receiving God's design for your life and honoring the limits of your created and given abilities? Like this can be hard work and is often directly opposed to the values of the world. One of my mentors said that for some people, it takes more grace to do less than you. Think about that. It takes more grace to do less. So in this conversation, if you feel yourself trapped at speed and under pressure, I would invite you to find a conversation partner and give them permission to look at your life and where they see you over-functioning, over-committing, over-valuing the opinions of others. Listen to them. Have the conversation to tease out why you are driven to run at such speed and under such pressure. And be honest about what you're really going after. None of us can go at it alone. We cannot do this alone. And so find a friend and help each other endure in hope. Third thing, 
If you are in Christ, God's promise is that you are being perfected. Speed and pressure make perfection seem instant. But the reality is that you are an ongoing process of change until the day you die. And pursuing holiness is an admission on our part that God's design is the quality of life we've wanted all along. We've just gone about it the wrong way. And in Christ, we choose to believe that God's way is better than fake fullness. Just remember chips versus fajitas, if that helps you. So as clear as I can say it, our best defense against the speed and pressure of life is to cultivate time, thick with meaning and hope, because speed is opposed to the spiritual life. And speed is addictive because busyness makes life feel full. But you need a hope that inspires patient endurance in things that matter. And that's only found in Jesus. The funny thing is that in life with God, you not only get to move at human speed, but the pressure to perform is it's off. You just, just let the pressure out. There's no more looking for validation because you're loved as a child of God. And this is the advent of hope. It tells us that the better promise has come and is coming. God the Son, who will come to restore all things. And so the last thing, the invitation for you is to name the speed and pressure of culture, to dethrone it in your life, and to increasingly live in God's world, following God's way by keeping God's time. If you're not great at this, if you feel like you fail at this all the time or you're good for a bit and then you forget, I want to encourage you that being here today and hearing this is an opportunity to begin again. You're not too late. You're just on time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your world is rich and deep and thick with beauty and purpose and meaning. And your story is greater than any other story because it's true. And so give us, grant us faith to see with eyes of faith by the Holy Spirit, the beauty of Jesus, that we might be pulled forward in hope of being with you, fully united with you, reunited in a new heavens and earth but that we might live knowing we are your children now, loved, kept, blessed, and freed from the speed and pressure of the world. Help us. We pray by the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.